if you want to get into leadership and management, because people always do, it's a combination of two things, opportunity and your preparedness. Hi, I'm Nell Spinia, and you're listening to the B2B Leadership Podcast, a show dedicated to demystifying leadership development one conversation at a time. Each week, I sit down with leaders in the B2B space to discuss their journey and what they've learned along the way. This podcast is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous, and the B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard, you just need a guide and the right set of tools. So head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you have always wanted to be. On this episode of the B2B Leadership Podcast, my name is Nils Finya, and I'm joined today by Jay Nathan. Jay, welcome to the show. Thanks, Nils. Good to be here with you, man. And I'm excited to dig into all things leadership, but as always, I'd like to start with where you are today, who you're working for, what your role is. So give us a little bit of background on you, Jay. Yeah, sure. Uh, so as you've said, my name is Jay Nathan. I am Chief Customer Officer at Higher Logic. We are a community technology platform, so we help uh, B2B SaaS companies and other types of organizations drive engagement with their customer bases. I have been with the business for just a little bit over a year now. It's gone by really fast. I guess 13 months officially. And uh, yeah, having a great time with it. Well, congratulations on all that progress. Looking forward to digging into all things. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the size of your your particular organization, your chief customer officer? What does that entail? First of all, our company is about 400 people total, just a little over today. As chief customer officer, I'm responsible for an organization we call CX, or customer experience, and that is comprised of support, implementation. We have a, a professional services team that's actually separate from our implementation team, customer success, and our education and CX org, and then we have an ops team as well. So that whole group all told is about 155 folks today. And uh, yeah, so we um, the company's grown a good bit since we since I joined back in August of 2020. Uh, we acquired a company back in May called Vanilla Forums, and uh, they become part of our family. And it's been really a, an awesome experience to be involved with integrating a business at this level. So yeah, so it's a pretty pretty wide and and diverse team in our CX organization. Well, I look forward to digging in more about that because the, the leadership skills that it takes to run an organization of 150 plus are significant. But before we get into that, we got to go way back in the time machine. And I want to know about the first time you got promoted into a leadership position. Can you set the context for us? What were you doing and what actually happened to get you into that position? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I think timing plays a, a, a big role in that. Some folks say that it's timing plus, you know, hard work, you know, the harder I work, the luckier I get kind of thing. But, you know, I was in a good place at the right time. I had a good boss that saw some potential in me and uh, gave me the opportunity to step up and become an official manager is the term we use. The, the term that I favor now is people leader. So I actually had real people leader responsibilities for the first time. It was probably back in 2005, 2006. 2006 timeframe. So I've been in management for a while. To be honest with you, you know, I was, I was 
the quintessential person who was pretty good at the role that they were in. I was, you know, smart on the topics that I knew a lot about. And so they said, Hey, let's, let's promote this guy and have him do more. Um, so I became a manager of a small, uh, of a small team at that time, but, uh, it was really one of the greatest rides of, of, of my career in terms of growing a team, learning how to become a manager, had a lot of failure, a lot of success along the way in that role. Um, in, in the roles that, that ensued from there, that was when I was at Blackbaud back in the early days. So. Good. So uh, there's elements of you know, timing, there's elements of preparation, there's elements of circumstances, your boss taking an interest in your development, which was wonderful. Was this something that you had planned or had talked about with your boss and said, you know what, I really would like to be in a management position at that point in time, people leader today. Is it something you were pushing for? Or was this a lot of circumstances that came together and said, well, now is the time we need a leader. Jay, you can do this. Yeah, it was actually the latter. But I will say this, we hadn't been having formal conversations about it, but I have always been the kind of guy who is just hungry for knowledge and information. And I want to know how things work. Uh, when I first started my career, I was an engineer and very hands-on technical. I had been asking and, and sort of for months sort of stepping into like, hey, show me how the PL works for our team. We had a PL for our team back then. How does that work? Like, what are the levers to, to make us more effective and efficient? Like, when do we get to hire people? Uh, how do we organize all this work? How do we go sell the work that we're trying to sell right now and, and the customers that we're trying to go sell in this business? And so I got inserted into the sales process. I got inserted into our PL and financial processes. And I showed interest and I sort of stepped into things that were none of my business to step into. And so when it come when it came time for my boss to look around and say like who who could i have step up to do this there weren't any other options right because nobody else had shown that same level of interest in uh in what we were trying to do as a business so i always encourage people if you want to get into leadership start acting like it ask questions go get curious like nothing is off limits go talk to your cfo go talk to your boss talk to the different people in the organization that you can learn from and try to figure out how it works and how you can impact the the metrics that are associated with it that's incredible advice and and now it's clear why you were the choice right you went above and beyond whatever the scope of your role was at that point in time because you had a desire to learn and understand how things worked at a different level so that you ultimately could have a bigger impact and i love what you said there that i stuck my nose in business that i had no business in right and that was fine and did people kick you out did they shoo you away did they welcome you with open arms? like what was the reaction they welcomed me they totally welcomed me, right? And especially, especially my boss. Like, if somebody's going to step up and help them keep an eye on things and and suggest improvements to the business, usually a manager worth their salt or a people leader worth their salt is going to eat that up, right? Because all of us have more on our plates. We have more ideas of things that we want to go accomplish than we can physically do in a month or a quarter or a year. So, if you have somebody with that kind of energy, then you know it's worthwhile to to, to pull them in close. And even if you can't promote them at that moment, like still mentor and coach uh, and get them ready to take on that kind of role. So also there's an element of time here. Like this was something that you took on, not at the point at which your boss said, well, team, I'm going to be looking for somebody to step into a leadership position. Who wants to do it? That wasn't the time that you started, right? This was long before any of that discussion ever happened. So that when the time came, there was no other choice. I love how you phrase that. Yeah, that's right. 
That's right. Yeah. And so always be curious, you know, try to understand how the business works. There's more opportunity than usually meets the eye in any role that you're in, right? You just have to step into it, take it and find it. And don't wait for somebody else to tell you what to do. That's right. And you, you, you always talk about this, Nils, you talk about being the CEO of your own career, right? And I, I believe in that and you have to take initiative. And by the way, sometimes that means, you know, you've got to go exhaust all the efforts. Your best chance is, is where you are today, right? And the roles that you're in today. But if you've gone to exercise all those avenues of learning and trying to get, you know, get ingrained, take on new initiatives, and it's just not working out, then at some point you can take a step away and go to another company where they have those opportunities available for you. One of the things that I, I like to think about with our team today is, and we always tell our team, like, if you want to get into leadership and management, because people always do, it, it's a combination of two things, opportunity and your preparedness. So go ahead and do the thing that you can control, which you can get yourself prepared. When that opportunity shows up here, you'll be ready to step into it like I was. And if that opportunity doesn't show up here, you'll be ready to step into it somewhere else, which is a good outcome for me too, right? As a, as a leader, if I can get you ready to go somewhere else and, and do that, then where there's more opportunity for you, then that's what we want to do. hundred percent. That's phenomenal. And to be inside of your organization, hearing that from you in the midst of everybody who wants to be in that leadership position, there's going to be a handful of people probably only a small percentage who will truly take you up on that. And that's makes the decision easier. Just like for your boss, when you looked around and said, yep, nope, Jay's it, it becomes very clear. And it was a result of personal drive and personal execution. So that's absolutely fantastic advice. Love that you embody that within your organization. I'm curious on the, on the preparation side, thinking about the people inside of your organization or think about people in other organizations, right? In addition to the being curious and asking other things, what other kinds of preparation tactics do you recommend? Like other, you know, training, is it networking? Is it, you know, podcast? What is it that you would recommend for somebody who's maybe not entirely sure how to go about the act of getting them prepared, even though they want to? You know, you have to be a student, of business to some degree, if you want to succeed in it. And, you know, you don't have to read 30 or 40 or 50 books a year, but maybe pick up a couple of books, right. On, on leadership. One of the things that, that I uh, always encourage people to do, there's a, there's a great book that I've had sitting on my bookshelf for years now. It's called financial intelligence. And it's like a Harvard business review, simple, simple book that explains what an income statement is, what a balance sheet is, what a cash flow statement is, how they all tie together, the basics of, of financial management and accounting, right? So just making yourself, and I took accounting in college, by the way, I was horrible. I did not Same do here. well in college in accounting. I don't know. I just couldn't connect the dots, but it all made sense to me once I was in a business and, and it was responsible for elements that impacted accounting, right? But like, just it's just one example, but you can do the same thing with with leadership topics. John Maxwell is one of my favorite leadership authors and I've read so many of his books, uh, but there's no shortage of content out there for you to just pick up, learn new concepts, listen to podcasts. Yes. I mean, every chance you get. This one in particular, where we only, we only talk leadership in the B2B space. Right. That's <laughs> right. Do, do not miss an episode. Right. Um, but I think it goes beyond that too. Networking is important. Do people know that you are, you have the skill set, you have the aptitude, and you have the interest and curiosity to 
to grow your career in your company. So, and then it'll help you learn about your own business too. Go, go talk to executives, go talk to other cross-functional members of the team, right? So don't just stay within your, your team and your management, go get to know people in product, go get to know people in the, in the sales organization, man, if you can get a little bit of sales experience, helping sell, close deals, support deals, what a great opportunity to show that you can be a team player. It's sort of all over the place there, but yes, content, yes, learning, but also networking and making sure that, that you are, you know, learning about more about your business and, and also making yourself more known to the people who can help you succeed. Those are incredible strategies. Uh, we'll have full write-up in that on the uh, show notes and everything so you can take us away. Those are things that anybody who has an interest in this can put into action. And even if you're doing some of them today, there's others, I guarantee, that were on the list that Jay just said that you're not doing. And this is a perfect example to pick something new up and expose yourself to uh, doing a things a slightly different way, which, again, is what this podcast is all about. Can I give you one more, too? hundred percent. Do your yeah. current job to the best of your abilities. Don't get so focused on the future that you forget about your current job. When your boss moves to promote you, think about the fact that they then have to defend that decision to their peers across the organization. Right. And there, so there, I mean, it's a little bit political, but there are like, we're humans, right? There are those kind of elements at play. You've got to make sure that you're seen as somebody who can, who can, really be a team player across the business. So That is an incredible point because this happened many times where um, I've heard stories, some of my clients have been in the situations or some of my clients have had leaders on their team in a situation where one client in particular, not long ago, had a leader on their team who they wanted to promote and felt like 100% like this person has done such an incredible job. They are performing beyond capacity, went to the rest of the executive team with the promotion request as part of their normal process, was flat out denied because the reputation and the perception of that individual outside of that one team was completely different than what it was inside the team. And that is a huge, huge missed opportunity that Unfortunately, that person was in a position where they did not do an effective job of what I call marketing your leadership because doing the job of a leader is not good enough. You have to effectively network and communicate and tell other people what it is that you do. And they hadn't done that. And ultimately, that was the end result. And it was a really sad situation. Um, but it goes to reinforce your point that those relationships are your responsibility. They're not your boss's responsibility. Your boss isn't there to go champion you across the board. They need to be able to present you and have everybody say, thank goodness, what took you so long to make this decision? Like, that's what we want on the other that's side. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> great, great anecdote. Awesome. Okay. So let's... Um, Talk about some of the promotions that you've had throughout the years. You've gone to varying levels in that first time back in 2006, getting promoted into a leadership position, and now you're at the CCO level. So I would love to hear, you know, just one of those promotions that you was really meaningful and impactful for you. And just tell me a little bit about the situation, what was going on and, and what, why it meant so much to you. Probably the most impactful one that that I can remember was, you know, at, at Blackbaud, I was promoted to be a practice manager in, in, in our consulting business at that time, back in 2005, 2006. And we had launched a new product line that was gaining traction really, really quickly. Sales were through the roof and we had to quickly scale up our team to go build that out. So 
as a practice manager, I got the opportunity to build multiple teams. So I found myself at some point with multiple managers that reported to me, which, I mean, how about that for elite Nils, right? Going from a direct manager of people, people leader to a, a leader of people leaders. That's a hard jump. And I was not ready for it. I'll tell you that. But over time, you know, built that team to, to be, you know, pretty sizable, built out an offshore team to help us deliver uh, through a partner that we had found at the time to do that, had recruiting relationships with people to help us get the team built out really quickly in addition to our recruiting team. So worked very closely with outside recruiters as well. But ultimately, I built the team out, which resulted in me getting a promotion to the director level, which is a big deal in a publicly traded, you know, company the size that that Blackbaud was at the time. So was really proud of that promotion. And it, it felt like it took a long time to get there, but not really. And I probably wasn't even ready for it when they gave it to me. That's just one of the ones that I sort of, I feel like that's when I went from being middle manager to a little bit more, and I still was a middle manager, but it felt like more of an executive level role at that point. We'll get back to the interview in just a minute. This episode is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. The B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. Head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you've always wanted to be. Now let's get back to the interview. When you made that transition into, um, you know, prior to the director, when you all of a sudden now had teams reporting to you, so you had multiple leaders that were reporting to you and they had teams reporting to them, you mentioned that it was really a challenging transition. So what were some of the things that uh, helped you get through that transition of going from, I could manage one team to now I'm responsible for managing leaders who are managing teams. Yeah, that it's, it's difficult. And it really stretches you as a leader because you no longer have direct control. As much as you think being the boss is a, you know, you have all the control, you actually have none of it. Right. And so I think that's, that's probably the first realization that, that I had to make was, I have to do this completely by influence at this point. Um, and back then, I will tell you, you know, it, it was it was hard, and I, I don't know that I did a great job of it. I think you know I've learned a lot since then that in my current role, it's same sort of situation, even more complex as a CCO. I think because of the diversity of the teams that sit in the CX organization, having knowledge of the different functions is only part of it, but it that's actually not what you have to lean on. Right. You have to lean on your ability to influence, to communicate well, a strategy and a plan and get people rallied behind that to coach. And Nils, you and I have talked, you know, for hours about how to coach better and ask questions, you know, drive, drive to the answers, but not give the answers. And I, I can tell you, I am nowhere near 100 percent compliant on this. I am 100 percent compliant trying week after week to ask more questions of my team. You always have to find the right balance of being directive versus, you know, being collaborative. And um, so, so that to me is the number one skill set that I've had to build, you know, between the years when I became a director at Blackbaud and then what I'm doing today 
uh, and still learning how to do is, is just, just build the skill set of being more of a coach as opposed to you got to have a vision, right? You got to have a clear vision of where you're going, but being a coach instead of being the, the person who knows all the answers. Cause at the end of the day, it gets too big for you to sort of manage that. So that's probably the biggest thing I would say. That's no, that's incredible insight. And that element of not having the answers is scary for a lot of people. And, you know, for somebody who's listening to this saying, wait a second, I thought I got promoted into the position because I was the best at my job, whatever level that was manager, director, VP, doesn't matter. But what would you say to them to snap them out of that, that that's not really actually true? Well, when I went through management training at Blackbond, our CEO at the time, he came in and kicked it off. I may have told you this anecdote before, but he, you know, he said, Hey, congratulations. Some of you have been promoted into management for the first time. You were so good at your job that we felt like we needed to, to level the playing field. Cause now you have a completely different job, <laughs> which is <laughs> being a manager, leading people. That is a different job than what you were doing before. So whatever you think you knew, just throw it all away because you've got a different set of skills to build now. Right. So I, that, that's the biggest you know, the biggest misconception, I think, in, in the, the longer you stay in management and leadership, I think the more you sort of you come around to it is that it's not your your direct skill set that matters anymore because you're not the one, you know, implementing a customer, having an executive business review, handling a support ticket. You're not doing any of that anymore. Right. You're teaching other people how to do it and making sure that they do it to your standards. But it's it's. You know, it's not in your power anymore. Now, the good, the good news about that, the cool thing about that is that you as a leader, now you get an opportunity to multiply what you know, right? Or multiply the values that you have or the, or the principles that you want to espouse as you interact with your customers. You're not, per- not going to get there yourself by trying to do it all yourself anymore, right? You've got to coach eight or 10 or 12 other people how to go do that the right way. Love it. Perfectly said. Now, you had a post on LinkedIn the other day um, that I had commented on. I think I wrote like 1 million or 10 billion percent because I was 100% in line with that. It was a large percentage that you wrote. It was a large, I just hit one and then a bunch of zeros. And I was like, I think that's enough percent. Like, I definitely agreed. But there were a few comments that disagreed. Um, the, The sentiment of the post was along the lines of what you should be focused on as a leader. And I believe it was something along the lines of working yourself out of your job, which might expand on that concept of what that means to you and what you were trying to convey in that particular post for yourself. Yeah, well, I'm glad I'm hanging out with you because you agree with me more than some of the other yeah. people. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> even if it's just the way that you're, just your posture every day, if you don't come into work being scared of maintaining your job, you're going to do a much better job as a leader. It's people who get sort of possessive or, you know, the, be, feel like they're the ones who have to have the answer or if they don't have the answer, they're not valuable enough. If you're confident in your own value, which I feel like I am 95% of the time, if you're confident enough in your own value, you're going to do a better job as a leader. Um, so that's, that's one piece of it. And But being confident as a leader also means being confident enough to know that if you are able to find someone else to take to that could one day grow into your role and take the position that you're sitting in now, you could go do something else 
even more valuable for the same company that you're with. I'm chief customer officer. I don't I don't know that I'll ever become CEO of Higher Logic. That's not really my goal. But do I do I look around Higher Logic and see like eight or ten different things that would be exciting and fun for me to work on if I could find my successor in the organization? Absolutely. I love the business. I love the market. I love the team. So, you know, there's there's something there's something else in store for me. So I think it's maybe a combination of looking at the world with a glass half full kind of mentality, just having some confidence in yourself and knowing that you're good enough just where you are, as long as you have a growth mindset and you're learning. So I don't know, that's long winded and I don't know if I explained it really well, but like, don't be afraid of, of lifting other people up to, to be able to take your role at so that you can go on and do other great things. Also, don't be afraid of automating the things that you do in your role to make you exponentially more efficient so you don't have to spend the amount of time you used to doing those same things. I mean, I, I'm 100% believer when I saw your post, I was like, I haven't thought about this in a little while, but um, I did the same thing. When I was first time VP of CS, uh, after a year, I essentially worked myself out of the role. It was gratifying and terrifying at the same time. Gratifying because like, wow, that was cool. I'm not really needed on a day-to-day basis because we're running a system and the system works. Like I'm not needed. You could put anybody else in my seat. It's not me, but I built the system. That was a lot of fun. I'm really good at building systems and also subsequently went on to do that many more times from a consulting perspective. But what that opened up was one of my CSMs at the time stepped into a director role and took over the system we had built. And now all of a sudden she had a huge step up in her career. I took a giant step in my career and everybody was happy. Whereas if I had just been worried about my role and my status as a VP, like I never would have gone anywhere. I would have stayed in the same thing, doing the same thing. I would have been bored out of my mind as well because that growth mindset is key, just like you were talking about. Yeah. And ultimately you probably would have grown stale there and you know, it wouldn't have ended well. Right. So, I mean, the other thing that that does, Nils, is it create, we talk a lot about customers for life, but think about colleagues for life, right? Because that person that stepped into that director role, I'm guessing that you enabling that person to have that opportunity has created a bond between you two that will carry on well beyond that business. Right. And so you can call on them later in your career when you need someone else to come in and, and work with you Hell, I mean, we might report to these people someday, and that'd be fun too, right? I would be, I would be ecstatic. That would be a blast if that ever happened. Uh, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, we still connect, talk uh, probably once, maybe twice a year, um, and just keep tabs on where each other are. But that was a, a very pivotal moment for me when I got to that point, and I was like, wait a second, hmm, I need to take a step back. Like, there's enough good stuff running, but it was all built with that premise, just like you were saying, like, don't be afraid of not being the only one who can do your job. You shouldn't be able, anybody's job, even you, even me, should technically be able to be replaced at times because guess what? Things happen in the world that are out of our control. Look at the pandemic last year, right? (laughs) Look at family circumstances, uh, you know, personal life and health issues, like stuff happens. So we should never hold on to these things as we're the only person in the possible in the world who could do this one thing, because that's just not true. If you're always adding value to your organization, if you're always adding value to yourself, you will always be in demand no matter what. It's a quality of life thing too. Do you want to be beholden to some process that you have to be the approver of this or that? Like for it to actually function? Can you go on vacation without having to answer emails, texts? Like when I go on vacation, 
I read books and I, I dig into stuff because I love this stuff, but I don't have to, right? If I don't want to. Uh, and that's what I try to maintain. So, <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Let's talk about just pure advice pieces. And you've dropped tons of nuggets along the way, but I want to kind of synthesize it and bring it home. So imagine yourself back in that first um, getting promoted into the people leadership position back at Blackbot. Um, what advice would you sit yourself down and give knowing everything that you know now, 15 plus years later, to Jay back in 2006? I will tell you this. When I got promoted, I, for the first year, was terrible. I was bad. And the reason, the reason I think that that happened, I ended up with, with a book of work left over from being an individual contributor that I could not figure out. I felt like I was the only person in the world who could do it. It was pretty unique, but I can guarantee you I wasn't the only person in the world who could have done it. So I spent a year trying to balance that work and learning how to be a manager, completely stunted my growth as a manager. The work probably got done in a halfway kind of manner. I was going to cuss there. I should, I should have just cussed. It didn't do me any favors as a leader and it didn't do our customer any favors. It didn't certainly didn't do my team any favors. What was at the core of holding on to that though? I mean, was it really, did you really just think like, you know, I'm the only one who could do this or was there apprehension about offloading this to somebody else now just because you're manager and Jay's going to dump a bunch of stuff on us? Well, I think it was both, right? I think, you know, I didn't feel like it was fair at the time to, to dump that on somebody did we have the right people to work on it? Was it something that I had spent so much time working on that I couldn't have turned it over? The answer to all those questions is no. It, it, especially if it's going to take nine months or a year to transition something, there's plenty of time there to get somebody else ramped up to do it. And I've actually had to coach folks um, in my team today. Like, yeah, I appreciate that you can get hands-on and do all the hands-on stuff that you do for the business and for our customers. But here's what I need you to do. I need you to lead your team, right? And because at the end of the day, I'm not going to measure you on your individual production. I'm going to measure you on the production of your team as a unit, which you lead and are accountable for. That That's the biggest thing is when you're making that transition for the first time, make the transition, find a way to make the transition. And if, you're, if your company's not supporting you in that, you really got to go have some hard conversations and figure out how to make that happen. It's, it's tougher, right? In earlier stage companies, but my company wasn't an early stage company. That just happened, right? And um, I didn't know any better because I was, you know, first time getting into, into management. And so I sort of took it on the chin. I probably worked 70 hours a week that whole year. It wasn't very much fun. So get out of your day job and, and get into the job of, of being a people leader. Because like my CEO said, right, it's a, it's a new job. It's a different job. Take that seriously. And I love what you said about you're going to hold the leader accountable to their team's performance, not their individual contributor performance. So it's a question, right? Well, which one, what is What are you held accountable to? Be clear about that. And then, if it's not aligned with the stack of work that you are left over with from being promoted, then find a way to bring that up as a conversation, as a way to say, look, I can't effectively do this job if I'm still doing this job, but here are some ideas I have with how to transition this. That is the key that I see missing an awful lot is 
people will get into that position and maybe complain like I'm still a player coach and I I don't want to be the player anymore, but I can't be the coach, but I, I don't know what to do. And I complain that I'm still a player. And the reality is they haven't thought at all about how to come up with some ideas that they could bring to their leadership and then have a constructive conversation to make a change. Yeah. Take, take complete ownership. I think you, you TCO. TCO. What, what did that stand for? Take complete, take, oh, take take complete, complete ownership. I just said it. That's yeah. It. I mean, I, you just made that comment on, on some other posts on LinkedIn, but I think that's it, right? It's most of the time as a, your, your boss isn't in a position to figure that out for you. There's too much detail. There's too much, like come, come with a plan. And if you don't, if you truly are stuck, and I always tell people this too, if you're truly stuck, I still want you to come to me and tell me you're truly stuck. And then I'm going to ask you questions like, what have you done so far? What have you thought about? Right. I learned that one from you, Bills. So like you, one of my favorites. And then, <laughs> you know, you can work through it together. It becomes collaborative. So, but yeah, take responsibility. That's the first step. That's a value that you got to have. And, and I think this applies regardless of level of where you're getting promoted from. If you're staying within the same company, in other words, you're not net new to an organization where everything's kind of a blank slate, more or less, right? If you're promoted within a company at any level, there is going to be leftover stuff from whatever role you were doing before that needs to be cut. And if it's not delivered on a silver platter, which most of the time it isn't, you need to come to the table with some ideas and some recommendations to have a constructive conversation. That's right. right. In most promotions, I mean, the first time people get into management, you don't usually get hired into a new company if you're into a management role if you're unproven in management, right? So a lot of times it is going to happen internally, and so that's a it's really good advice that you just gave there to to come with a plan for how you make that transition. Right, and if you're unsure about your plan, call it a recommendation and have a discussion. Guess what? You don't have to have all the answers, even in the position of bringing things to the table, but you can always make a recommendation and ask somebody, hey, what do you think about that recommendation? And I guarantee you, they will have an opinion versus going in and saying, I don't want to be a player anymore. What do I do? That is a ticket straight out the door and not going to work. (laughs) Awesome. Uh, Jay, it has been an absolute pleasure to spend some time with you today talking all things leadership. If somebody wants to connect with you, is what is the best platform? LinkedIn, I imagine. Yeah. Uh, how can they find you on, yeah. on LinkedIn? Uh, just if you search Jay Nathan on LinkedIn, that you'll you'll find me. But Jay Nathan Higher Logic, you'll find me. Uh, spend a lot of time there and have met so many great people through LinkedIn. Also on Twitter at Jay Nathan. Um, well, people can email me as well. J, the letter J, Nathan at HireLogic.com. would love to hear from folks. So Cool. Cool. All right. Awesome. Wonderful. Jay, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing your incredible wisdom. I know this audience got some very crispy tactical things they could put into practice right away, whether you're at an individual contributor level looking to get in your first leadership position or you're scaling up from manager director to the C-level suite. Uh, just incredible insights. Uh, thank you so much for sharing this and your time today. You too, man. Good to see you. Take care. Thank you for listening to the B2B Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd welcome you to subscribe and give the show a five-star review. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at b2bleadershippodcast.com. As always, I'm Nils Vinya. And I hope you'll join us again next week. Take care and have a great rest of your day. This podcast is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. 
the cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. And the B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. So head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you have always wanted to be.